Yeah, we're back. It's almost like we've never left. The whole crew is here. It's three one podcast. Joining us from Cleveland, Ohio. Give it up for Ian Lamont Morgan. What's going on? And he's back. Mm-hmm. He's back mm-hmm. from the nasty natty. It's yeah. Keith Turner Jr. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to all my light skinned folks. I got a lot to say. I got a lot to say to y'all today, but but we're gonna get to it. What's up everybody? It's good to be back. Good to have the Drake of the podcast back. Uh yeah, all right. All right. Mm-hmm. And it's your boy from the Capital City, Malcolm Morgan. Like I said, it's good to have the whole crew back together. How's everybody doing today? Well, we're feeling, good. Feeling amazing, man. It's on the run tour day. I've seen so many of those fluffy slippers that my mind is about to explode. But wonderful day here in Cleveland, man. Shout out to uh, to uh, J and B. Are they in uh, Cleveland today? Is that what's going on? Yeah. So they did the international apparently leg of the tour, and then they opened the U.S. leg in Cleveland. Oh, nice. Are where are they performing at? <laughs> Brown Stadium, but uh, okay. I'm sure it's only because the queue is being renovated. Oh yeah, about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a lot of things to talk about, and going to inform our fans today that this is our season finale, the first season of the Three and One Podcast. Um, so we're going to try to leave you guys on a high note today. We're going to start off with. I don't know if it's the biggest news, but it's what a lot of people are talking about. Carmelo Anthony officially signing on with the Houston Rockets. We talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago, but guys, how are you feeling about the move? I think, uh, firstly, Malcolm, you you improperly dropped that because I feel like we should have introduced him as future Hall of Famer, formerly Hoodie Mello, now currently... I ain't sacrificing no bench role, Carmelo Anthony. But, I mean, his accolades aside, um, I mean, we we knew this was coming. It's weird. I kind of wanted some other things. I wanted L.A. I wanted Washington. Here he is in Houston, you know, and his, uh, his defensive deficiencies aside, looking forward to seeing how, how it all goes. I mean, those it's one of those things where people who are high on it are really high on it, and the people who are not are really not. Um, <laughs> but I think we talked about it kind of in depth before when it was an option, and now here it is, you know, the reality. And so, uh, man, shout out to Carmelo for securing the bag like I've never seen before. Um, Still got still got his bread from OKC slash Atlanta. Was it Atlanta that actually paid him? Uh, yeah, they, they, they bought him out and have to pay him the remainder of his salary. Yeah. So, you know, shout out to Melo. He, like you said, he finessed the game like nobody else has in this era. But, yeah, man, um, Houston, hey, we'll see what y'all got. I still think this this is a step back for them this offseason. But if Melo can return to a sliver, if he can give them 65 70% of Denver Melo or early New York Melo, then, uh, then it could be interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like, this makes sense, kind of, sort of. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, you know, the fact that they didn't, you know, re-sign Trevor Ariza, the fact that they did not get Mbamute back, um, and they're kind of getting Carmelo for a bit of nothing, um, is, you know, I mean... It's okay to me. Um, I agree with Ian. I mean, the, the, his lack of defensive play um, will definitely be an issue. But I think that, you know, this whole deal of them bringing Chris Paul in and, you know, it was reported that they was, you know, recruiting him since last summer or whatever. Um, I, I don't know. Like, but I'm 100% in agreement that if he can give just a sliver, I mean, just 40%, honestly, in my opinion, of, of what he was able to do um, in in Denver, um, hoodie mellow hood, uh, hoodie mellow has to show up. Period uh, for the Rockets to even because right now I don't consider I don't consider the Rockets contenders um, with what they lost. Mellow has to really show me something in order for me to say okay, I'm really ready to see another Rockets and Warriors series, um, especially if Boogie Cousins is healthy. So um, it. It gives them, you know, potential scoring. Um, he definitely, I think he he is an improvement within being able to score off the ball. Um, I don't think Trevor Ariza was that incredible at it. Uh, he was a good shooter, um, but Ariza was not the greatest defender to me either. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot to to hope for honestly um for basketball fans is that carmelo can fit well you know this whole ordeal with d'antoni we don't know how this is going to play out but i'm hoping it works well because i would love to see uh Mello at you know um the best that he can play right now uh and see how this rockets team can gel so it just it definitely makes sense i'm just right now i am i'm at a place where i'm just like okay well i'm waiting to see how this team is going to gel so they definitely get some scoring, but other than that, we'll see. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, pr- as skeptical as I was previously about this. Um, he needs to be um, close to special. He needs to be better than OKC Melo in order to make up for what they're going to lose on defense. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're clearly going to have to play differently to beat the Warriors, and I just don't know if, if there is a way that they can do that without defending and causing some problems on the defensive end. Um, the big thing you need from him is to hit op- hit wide open threes. Um, and in the Utah series, he had 26 wide open threes and made six of them. So if he's, he's not going to be hitting, yeah, he was terrible. He had an 0 for nine game from three uh, in one of those in one of those games. Um, so he's got to be special. So he needs to be in shape. He needs to be working on those catch-and-shoot jumpers. He needs to be used to not having the ball, you know, getting 25, 30 shots a game. He's going to have to maximize the opportunities he does get. And I'll be interested to see how Coach D'Antoni kind of staggers the minutes, um, see if they play Melo a lot more, get second units, because the one thing he did do well at OKC was that he had a really – he was much more efficient when both Russ and uh, PG were off the floor, but – the minutes, those minutes that he was on the floor by himself just weren't a lot. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they stagger the minutes and try to get him involved in the offense somehow. Because if, if he's not involved in the offense, I just don't know how he honestly helps his team at all. Yeah, for sure. For uh, sure. 
they're definitely going to have to find some system um, that will. I mean, I think one good potential thing is that it could take a little bit of pressure off James Harden to score as much as he has been. Um, but they've got to figure out something to make Carmelo as productive as possible to make up for what he's going to lack defensively. Um, in my opinion, Kevin Durant is still going to give him buckets. So, um, and it may even be worse than Trevor Reese's. So, um, absolutely be worse, you know, so, so they're going to have to find something. But like I said, in the previous podcast, this, in my opinion, in my opinion, was something they had to do since they didn't get a reason back and they didn't get him by Mute back. They had to do something. So I feel like this is, this was the thing. Um, so for me as a basketball fan, I am hoping and praying to God that somehow they figure it out um, to really make that Western Conference Finals, you know, potential mat- rematch uh, a fun one to watch because last year was absolutely incredible. Hey, well, the other well, part of this, go ahead. I was gonna say at least Melo got the 0 for 9 shooting from three part down. He can replace Ariza right now. <laughs> Immediately, step right into that role. Oh my goodness! Step right into that role. Well, the other part of this, um, the uh, Rockets traded him to Atlanta, and or excuse me, not the Rockets, the Thunder traded him to Atlanta, and the Thunder got back Dennis Schroeder. Now I've heard a lot of varying opinions on Dennis Schroeder as a basketball player, and I've even heard some people try to spin this as a positive. I am much more skeptical about how he fits in with the Thunder. Um, but I'm interested to see what kind of impact do you guys think that he could have for OKC? Hmm. I, Honestly, I've go, go ahead, bro. Go, no, go ahead, Keith. I honestly think, I mean, I'm, I'm skeptical as well, um, but I think that he may be able to, you know, playing behind Russ, he could give them some type of little spark off the bench that, you know, that they may need. Um, I mean, of course you get, you get PG back, you get, you get Russ, hopefully, you know, Roberson's able to come back and, and, and really defend, um, you know, but I, I, I'm looking at, you know, he's averaging, you know, over 16 and 17, uh, those years at least, you know, 17 and 19 points a game. So let's just call it 18, shooting 45% from the field. Uh, with last year, he shot 30, 34% from three, um, you know, and then six assists. So, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, can definitely, if, if he can fit into the system, it's a whole nother piece just like Carmelo. He's got to be able to fit into this system, and Billy Donovan's got to be able to, you know, come up with something uh, for him to be able to be effective. But, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't mind Schroeder coming off my bench, honestly, if I'm OKC. Um, but the question, just like for Carmelo and just like for some other players who have moved around, is how will these systems, you know, um, implement these players? So, honestly, if I'm OKC, I don't mind, you know, bringing this guy in, honestly. I mean, if anything, um, I don't know. Schroeder's not, he's not a guy I'm huge on, but... He averaged what nineteen points a game last year. You know he can he can put the ball in the basket, um, so he's offensively competent. Which I think that's that's the central thing that uh, OKC needs mm-hmm. is offensively competent people. Which um, he at least gives you that. And so you know going to the basket, you know getting some easy buckets. I think that that will 
help loosen up what they got going on that bench. Um, <laughs> uh, it'll be an upgrade from Ray Felton. The uh, round mound of point guards. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, who didn't play terrible last season, but didn't play good. I mean, it was a it was an average showing. I think Raymond Felton might be a better shooter than Dennis Schroeder. He's a hundred percent a better shooter. Yeah, and so um, I think that's the only thing is that I feel like they still have not taken a step forward in shooting or guys who can actually you know perimeter uh, uh, score. Um, so I was actually hoping that you know they work something out, do a trade for Kyle Korver, some stuff like that. Once I heard some of the rumors that he was being uh, floated out there, but. Yeah, Schroeder. I, I think he'll have some moderate success as long as he can adjust to the back to the backup role. But frankly, I don't see him being any better than what Reggie Jackson was when he was there, and that does not put them over top, given what they currently have. And so, yeah, it's a cool move. It's not terrible. It may give them a little bit of a boost, but I don't think it does enough of what they of what they need to do in order to be. Um, contenders. So, yeah, I'm just I I just don't know how this is gonna how he's gonna fit. Um, he shot 29 percent from three last year. Um, and you know honestly, what what are the minutes gonna look like behind Westbrook? Um, can you play him with Westbrook? Especially since he doesn't provide any floor spacing. I mean, he'd really have to buy into being a pest on defense. Um, and kind of running that second unit when Russ isn't on the floor, where Russ is going to play the vast majority of the minutes. So I'm just not sure what kind of role he can have or if he can play with Russ. Um, but he's still only 24 years old. Um, so, you know, he's still still developing as a player. Maybe he could develop a jump shot. Maybe he'll buy into this role as a as a, as a a um, backup guard. My, my concern is that this is going to be another Reggie Jackson situation where um, he thinks he will deserve more playing time, and it's just not there for him. And he starts to get frustrated. Um, so it'll be interesting. I've, I've heard a lot of different takes on it, but I can't. I don't think I'm going to quite come around on on this acquisition quite yet. I mean, I guess you could say it's a it's a net positive because Carmelo was so bad in the playoffs, especially in the Utah series. So if he gives you anything, I guess it's better than nothing. So I don't know. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, I'd... I don't know. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't provide the punch that that I think you know. Maybe they were hoping for. But I mean, you got to give him credit for getting something back from Melo. Um, and then Schroeder, at least, even if he's a C plus player, um, is some type of value for a guy who you could have kept on your team, and mm-hmm. he just he been a nuisance that on the court anyway. Um, you know, and since he ain't sacrificing no bench role, uh, I love the English of that. But uh, you know, since since you know he's not moving to the bench, uh, where he could probably be most effective, you know, bring in a guy that can orchestrate things. Hopefully, he takes a step forward, and hopefully, he's been working on his game. Hopefully, he's been getting those shots up, and he can at least shoot. You know, give me a thirty-four, thirty-five percent, and we're good. Like just up that percentage, six, seven, eight percent. And uh, and really, you know, do some do some good floor general work and and manage the game, and then you'll do so much more for that second unit. So um, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see. Um, I'll be watching definitely. Uh, Want to know if he'll cut 
that weird hair that I thought was cool <laughs> for like a second, but now I really just want him to go with the ball fade or something. But, uh, yeah, man, be curious to see how it all pans out and if it takes OKC further. If this is addition by subtraction, in the end, this will be the this will be the, 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 the real telltale sign of whether or not it was Melo's fault or if it was just the organization. So, Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Well, we had a few other offseason moves that we didn't get to talk about last week. Um, but we had IT... Signing on with the Denver Nuggets. Jabari Parker signing a two-year deal. Second year is a team option in Chicago. And Marcus Smart uh, re-signing with the Celtics. Which one of these moves is the most interesting to you um, coming into next season? Into next season, honestly. um, Man. That's tough to choose from. <laughs> it's it's interesting. Um, well, you mentioned Jabari, right? Yeah. Um, I've spoken about Jabari before. The fact that that man conned his way, even even if it is the second year for option, <laughs> the fact that he conned his way into the contract that he did, I have. I, I just got to shout out his agent. Um, I don't know what type of highlight reel they put together. I don't know what they did and work out that showed, you know, the Chicago Bulls that Jabari Parker was worth $20 million. But, I mean, listen, at this point, I have very, very, very little confidence in Jabari's abilities given his injury history. I'm not talking about him as a player. I'm just talking about his injuries. Um, like I said, Isaiah Thomas got... I mean, he they they base his the value basically says you're not one tenth of the player that Jabari Parker is, and it's just it's incredible stuff, man. So, hey, I can't you know, brother, get paid, do what you got to do. But that is the most interesting, especially because I don't know what Chicago's doing. Like it looks like they're getting young, but I don't know if they're actually trying to build out. Kind of looks like they're just taking in random contracts, because I mean, as of right now, that team just kind of looks strange to me, um, the way the way it's currently constructed. But you know, they they seem kind of guard heavy, and I don't know, I don't know what they're trying to do. But um, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see what Jabari does. I, I'm, I personally am invested. I need to see Jabari Parker average twenty points a game so that I can understand what the Bulls were thinking. Uh-huh. So let me just say this, fellas, um, since Ian took um, Jabari, $52 million is a whole lot to pay for Marcus Smart. I just, gosh, like that that type of money blows my mind. It, 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 it One, it makes me believe that the Celtics have something up their sleeve uh, because of course, why pay this guy this much money when you have Kyrie Irving, when you have, you know, uh, Terry Rozier, um, guys coming up with potential free agency, like what is on their mind? But I tell you this much, it does prove that they believe in what he brings to the team. Um, I love watching him play. He's a high energy, you know, not afraid of the big moment type of guy. Um, definitely brings that spark off the bench. But $52 million 
is crazy. Like if, if I mean, and that's having them dip into luxury tax. If it's me, um, I'm at the place where I have to make a call, especially with guys like Gordon Hayward and Al Horford and all those type of contracts that you can't afford to move. You're just like, okay, do you risk it and have him, you know, sign the qualifying offer with then potentially him leaving next year? Um, but would he really want to leave next year if they're contenders? Um, you know, with him understanding like that's just the nature of the business, I'm not sure. Um, I just don't believe that he would be worth 52 million. But I've talked to Celtics fans and they're pretty happy. So I guess it is what it is, fellas. But at the end of the day, it wouldn't be me paying $52 million to a guy like Marcus Smart, even though I do believe he's valuable. I don't know what you guys think, but that's just me. I mean, it's it's a lot of factors working here. So, um, A, the, the Celtics have both Kyrie Irving and Terry Rozier who are going to be free agents next year. So you're going to have to um, invest in one of these guards. And there's a possibility they could lose both of those guys next year. So, um in one aspect it makes sense to me that they invested the money in uh marcus smart uh, you could secure at least one part of your backcourt and a guy who's really important to what you do a second thing here is that they created a, a, another trade asset um something that they don't really have on their roster because their roster is filled with either big money guys or rookie contracts or minimum contracts so you've got Gordon Haywood, Al Horford, and Kyrie Irving, who are all making above twenty million. Then everybody else is making seven or below. Um, so you need some mid-range contracts in order to match money for potential trades for um, other stars, like whether it's Kawhi or Anthony Davis or whoever it may be. They need those mid-range contracts. So um, is he worth the money? Probably not. But at least you, you create another trade ship that you can use and possibly flip it to another player down the road. So it, I, I understand. He, and he's also important to what they do, important for their identity, uh, what he brings defensively, yep. hustle-wise. Um, you know, it's hard to put a real good price tag on that. But, you know, if you, if you, you know, lowball him and he signs that qualifying offer and he comes into the season disgruntled and looking to leave after this year, um, then you run the risk of losing your entire backcourt. Um, and I think that's a blow they just were not prepared or willing to take. So you got to pay a little bit more money to keep a guy like that on the roster. Yeah, I get you. I, I mean, that's just a lot of money for another team to embrace uh, for a guy who, you know, is not going to do one particular thing very well. Um, but, uh, gosh, I don't know. I don't know, Malcolm. But, Hey, we'll see, man. He's definitely a, he's definitely a great system player, um, and he fits very well for this this Boston team. So, we'll see, man. I think something's up their sleeve, though. That's for sure. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I'm just sitting here thinking about Marcus Smart bringing the ball up court and like the opposing point guard just salivating. Because I mean, can you can you take charges on offense? I, I don't know. <laughs> I know he can't. I know he can't back people down from one uh from one baseline to the other. <laughs> I just yeah. imagine like that video, uh, Shaq playing pickup against just normal sized people, and he just gets the ball <laughs> and pushes the guy out the way, and just <laughs> it just completely obliterates him. Right, <laughs> man. I tell you what, if if Marcus Smart suddenly say he did play point guard for Boston and he started averaging like seventeen and five, 
Man, I'm I'm building the miniature statue for Brad Stevens now. Like I'm not waiting because that dude is amazing and he's you know yep. some type of otherworldly sorcerer or something. Man, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think he he'd win Coach of the Year in perpetuity for that one. Great. Um, there could be a lot of guards banging on the door to get into Boston. <laughs> Deserve to be coach of the year over Dwayne Casey this year, anyways. I'm ooh, just saying. Ooh. Look, Dwayne <laughs> earned Dwayne owned the, earned that trophy by getting swept and then fired. He earned that. That's right. <laughs> Speaking. <laughs> oh man, he said he's a, oh, he's a coach that's been through the most. He endured hard trials. He was number. He was right. number one. Then he made it out of the first round, and then they got owned. They got LeBron. They got fired LeBron. and then hired again. But, yo, if I can real quick, I do want to give another shout-out. I know I mentioned him before. But, IT, keep your head up, man. Bring <laughs> Isaiah slow man. grind. Right, slow grind. Isaiah Brinks Trunk Thomas, man. I, I A Brinks Trunk de- deferred. <laughs> yo, it's just the fact that, man, he's there in Denver, signs for one year, two million. Like even Boogie got five million out of his show me deal, and uh, I mean, well, that's because Boogie's a lot more talented. But well, that's not my point. Is you know what you you know who else signed for two million dollars? Vince Carter, and Vince signed for two point five, I think. So even yeah. he got even he got paid more than it. And I'm well, like, man, he, this and, this and he's half man, no amazing now. And and Isaiah's just half he's no, just I half mean, man. Like, <laughs> and they like they they wanna know if he can come through, man. I just I'm I'm in this corner. I do want to see him do well. Seeing these organizations kinda do people like they did, like Boston did him and DeMar did uh got done by Toronto. I mean it's 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 a part of the game. You gotta man up and go play, but I do want to see him average a little 16, 17, earn his way to maybe, you know, two-year, $50 million contract or something like that. But he's got to prove that he's an asset and that he can be system flexible Um, because he thrived in Boston. And and I don't think that was all Brad Stevens, but IT ain't eating like that with Terry Terry and Jalen and confident Jalen Brown. And Jason Tatum, so I, I, it's got some stuff to prove. But man, I'm in this corner. Shout out to him. I mean, I'm just I'm at the point where I realize like he was just a, he was great in his system, and when he left that system, it looked rough. That's why he he went on record saying he would have loved to go back to Boston. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he would have fit right in. It would have probably went back to averaging 15, 20 points a game in Boston's in that system. Um, but I, I think honestly, you, you said Ian, you know, you don't know how much you credit that to Brad Stevens. I give him at least 50, 60. Now, don't get me wrong. Isaiah Thomas definitely worked hard. He was a great hustle player. He made plays. He shot the ball. Well, um, he fed off the energy of the fans. Like he played well, but if not for Brad Stevens, putting him in a great situation for him to succeed, just like, you know, guys like Danny, Am- Danny Amendola, uh, and and some of those guys with Bill Belichick is cross the sports. They would reference. not be as great. They would not be as great if not for Bill Belichick. That's all I'm saying. Oh, so um, so yeah, that's all I'm saying. I mean, I, I that's what I believe. Wow. 
Well, you know what? If we've learned anything over the last couple years is that loyalty means nothing in the NBA unless you play for the Cleveland Cavaliers. The big news this week, Kevin Love signed a big four-year, $120 million extension with the Cavaliers. Woo! Um, that adds on a fifth year to his existing deal. Um, I was uh, very surprised by this. Um, I thought at least Kevin Love would play out this year and see what he get on the open market next year. And I'm also very surprised that the Cavaliers were even looking at kind of building around him and not trying to reset the roster. But what do you guys think? Our resident Cleveland, uh, Clevelandite, international Ian, what do you think? Appreciate K-Love putting on the hard hat, dedicating himself to Cleveland. And that is a big deal. Um, yeah, we just talked about loyalty. This is more about money. Um, I think, you know, <laughs> K-Love got him a nice little pay bump. But uh, he followed the Chris Bosh route. He's not bumping the Kendrick, he's not bumping the Kendrick yeah. Lamar Man. on his way to the queue? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not in his DNA. Uh, no, nah, I mean, I, I do think he likes the city, man. Um, but I don't think that he was going to garner that much money from anybody else either. So I think it worked hand in hand, but I don't think he's bluffing when he says that he does, you know, care for the Cleveland fans and want to see. I think K-Love wants to do what Chris Bosh did not get the opportunity to. They both played four years with Brian. One of, well, Bosh won a couple rings. K-Love won one. Uh, then LeBron leaves, and there you are. Everybody expects the organization to be in shambles. Um, so here, you know, uh, Miami did the same thing when they signed Chris Bosh, wanted to make him the feature. Um, and, and, of course, unfortunately, we never got to see how that panned out. But uh, K-Love, with the pieces around him and uh, whatever, it, it sounds like to me, uh, Kobe has talked to him about some things that, they want to do um, um, in the future because he talked about some patience and he talked about, you know, building. And so I think maybe they got a little two year, three year plan in place to see uh, to see if they can build something viable. And so I think K-Love can return to 20 plus points. I don't know if he'll ever be fat Kevin again. I think <laughs> I think fat Ke- I think fat Kevin is gone. But. Um, if they can do that, maybe add another star, which they would not be able to do in Cleveland if Kev, if Kevin Love doesn't stay. Frankly, unless they draft some, a guy who just becomes a stud, uh, they're not signing guys in free agency unless uh, unless they already have a star player and something moving. And so I think this is necessary for the vitality of this franchise in this market. So I do like the move. I think um, it's interesting. Part of me wanted them to go ahead and tank and, and do it the, uh, the, the, uh, the bottom and out way too. But I think there's more than one ways to get this done. If they stay in the playoffs the next couple of years and then the third year they add pieces that take them deeper, that's a win-win for Cleveland. So, Malcolm, what say you? Man, I am, like I said, I'm shocked. Um Obviously, this is no reflection on Kevin Love as a player. He's still a great player. Shot over 40% from three last year. Still a double-double. Still an all-star. I just am not quite sure how this fits in the Cavaliers' timetable um, and how good does this honestly make them building a team around him. Um, Now, if you ask me what I think his chances are of staying in Cleveland this whole contract, I'd say less than 10%. 
I don't think he'll play out that fifth year in Cleveland, uh, whether it's a trade or other circumstances. Um, I just I just don't I'm I'm unsure of the team's direction at this point. Um, you know, you want to invest in younger players and getting them minutes, but um, you got guys blocking those younger guys: George Hill, J.R. Smith, K. Love, Tristan Thompson, all are um, taking up spots or taking up minutes from younger guys that, that could use those minutes to develop. So, um, you know, kudos to Kevin for getting the money. I think he, he does deserve to get paid and to be a featured player, but I'm just not sure how good obvious, how good this is going to make the Cavs moving forward. Yeah, honestly, I'll, and I'll keep it short, fellas. I just think this was a move of desperation. Um, the Cavs, you know, didn't want to give fans uh, another few years like after LeBron left you know, uh, uh, the first time. So, you know, I think they, they tried to say, okay, let's give the fans still some decent basketball where they're, we're not tanking. Um, let's throw some money at K love. And, and, and here's the good thing. And here's what I will say about Cleveland, um, sports and Cleveland fans is that they are, you know, hundred percent loyal. And first of all, and Malcolm, shout out to you for that transition. That was great. Um, kids, that's a professional transition. That's a that, professional hey, transition. Hey, that, that takes us takes us back to our days at, at OU when they taught <laughs> us some good journalism. <laughs> um, no, but um, but yeah, you know, I, I I am very unsure of the direction they're going. I I don't believe in Dan Gilbert um, at all. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, shout out to Kevin Love. You know, I wish he can get back to, to Fat Kev days as well. Um, Fat Kev was incredible to watch. Just a, you know, rebounding and, and scoring machine. Um, but Skinny Kev's going to have to uh, to find a way to make some make some things happen. Um, but I feel bad for Cleveland for Cleveland fans, man. But again, very excited about Colin Sexton. So. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. Maybe maybe he thought that because Colin Sexton looked very well, um, or played very well at least in, in in summer league, that they had something to build with him and, and K Love, and of course, sadly, you still got J.R. Smith. But um, yeah, I just think it was a move of desperation, and we'll see. You know, maybe still be a seven eight seed because the East is still uh, you know pretty open outside of Boston and, and Philly. So uh, we'll see. Well, we're gonna. You guys, have you guys been paying attention to this uh, C.J. McCollum, Kevin Durant situation? <laughs> yeah, no sir, definitely. Have you seen the Have you seen the the Twitter responses for both of them? Uh, from one to another, or what other people been saying to them? One to another. Yeah, man, definitely. It is. It, this is getting nuts. Keep you, you, man. You gotta you gotta listen to the podcast. KD hopped on CJ's podcast and uh and man it all just unraveled from there. And the thing is <laughs> from when he got on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought it was weird in the first place. I understand CJ is trying to get his little career popping and they had a relationship, but I don't know. They already got too much bad blood between them two teams because Golden State owns Portland. And so I don't know. Just from there, this is getting uh, this is getting worse and worse. It's getting worse and worse. Oh uh, yeah, I'm gonna be listening for sure because y'all know how I feel about Kevin Durant. Oh, it's real. Sorry guys, that's a little inside baseball. Um, but we're gonna switch gears to the NFL. Um, we've been talking a lot about the anthem protest on this podcast. We've made our thoughts pretty well known. Um, earlier this 
offseason, the NFL did come up with their own policy regarding the um, anthem protests. And the latest news is that they have now frozen that policy are now in a, and are now in discussions with the Players Association about a possible reconciliation um, in the anthem policy. So just as a review, the, the policy that was written in and unveiled this offseason was that players would be required to stand for the anthem. If they would not stand, they were they will be asked to stay in the locker room and not do any protesting on the field. Um, but right now that policy is in limbo and kind of the, the big thing that kind of pushed this was news that the um, Miami Dolphins planned on suspending players reportedly four games for any anthem protests um, as well as the NFLPA filing a grievance um, on behalf of the players about the new protest policy. So, guys, what do you guys think are, is the realistic outcome of this situation? Um, is this is this going to be anything that's in favor of the players? I doubt. Uh, I don't. I doubt it too, man. I think you were about to say I doubt it, Ian, yeah. and I believe I doubt it too. <laughs> Go ahead, man. Man, first of all, somebody in Miami had crack for breakfast when they decided that they were going to come out. <laughs> like, yo, are you are you kidding me? And so, I, but I'm glad that it happened so that they could, you know, bring this under some further review because teams are just going to start wilding with the whole thing, yeah. you know, placing their own additions on it and everything like that. And that may be all that comes from this. NFL may still, you know, poke their chest out and say only the only adjustment we made is that teams cannot – extend the policy you know given their own i mean but i think the way it was originally constructed it gave the teams a certain amount of power to do whatever they will mm-hmm. um and so i'm hoping that you know um i hope that more gets done they walk this thing back um i think the nfl went about this pretty terribly i think they should have done what they did when their back is against the wall on other stuff bring in a third party Mm-hmm. Have them have them consult um, and, and figure out something that works in, in best favor, something that the NFLPA, uh, a third party that they both can agree on, and then take it from there. Why? Because the NFL needs to save face. This is a black eye. This anthem uh, protest dudes has been going on for, uh, this will be, I think Cap first started taking the knee in, was it 16? Oh my gosh, I can't even see it's been going on for 10 years, but yeah, um, 16, I think, sounds right. And so, you know, here we are, we're about to enter into, uh, this is going to carry into 2019, so the third calendar year, um, yeah. um, a third season, and, uh, and, and this is, you know, at some point, you know, they're going to feel the hit because of it. Uh, I know on this pod, we talked about Malcolm for saying that he not talked about you, but... You know, we tried to persuade you to watch the NFL because uh, <laughs> I know you you made a you made a vow as far as that goes. But man, I'm on the brink of joining you because this is turning into a circus. It's turning into something uh, where I'm I'm starting to get a great feel of oppression, and yeah. um, and that's not something that I'm down with, man. And so uh, they they better have some good news to come out of this because Miami <laughs> lost their mind and they they were the ones that were vocal enough to say it. Um, and I, I don't consider them to be the most conservative team in the league. And oh, so, their owner is. What's that? Their owner is. Well, I mean, I'm saying I know he is, but I don't know if he's the worst. 
I mean, and and yeah, I, I I don't know. Only so long before this thing pops, and it's starting it's starting to become some really ugly tension. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that they work something out. But like me and Keith said, I, I doubt that anything real comes from it. Guys gonna want to get paid. You know, and if they if they start you know violating stuff and their their pockets start taking the hit, then that's gonna factor in. And and I don't want to see this movement that's really just exercising your right to 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 free protest. And and you know you're not harming anybody, um, but these measures that are being taken are, are way too drastic and like I said, oppressive. Yeah, extremely oppressive, and you know like. Again, none of us were surprised with the whole policy in the in the first place. Here's the deal: in the, the day, someone's going to be upset about this policy. Um, sadly, um, you know, if if they rule that you know players have a voice and all of that, uh, people, uh, privileged folks, and some military folks, even though it was a military man again um, who uh, encouraged Colin Kaepernick to take the knee. Some of them will be offended and will be upset because they claim uh, that people are disrespecting the American flag. And then on the flip side, if you you know uphold this policy, um, you're going to make those folks uh, happy, but then you're also going to make a whole another group of people upset because it seems to be that you are taking away their you know First Amendment rights um, and oppressing them and telling them basically to shut up and just play uh, or shut up and dribble or shut up and score touchdowns, however you want to put yep. it. So it is it is a, a heavy topic. I don't think anyone will ever be completely satisfied. And so what's going to happen is, is that the NFL and, you know, probably the NFLPA um, are going to have to come to some agreement um, that, you know, will benefit the NFL's pockets the most. Let's just be real. It's about making money. Um, and that's what it's going to be. And so I'm not expecting anything to really come out of it. That'll be game changing. Will it be great for them to really take a stand and, and say, you know what, um, we're going to give players a voice because everybody should have a voice. Um, that will be incredible. Um, and then, of course, you'll have a lot of the conservatives and many others who will be, you know, especially, you know, guys like 45 who will be, you know, saying all type of stuff and, and calling the NFL out of their names and all these type of things. So. Um, I hate this whole thing because I love football and I love the, watching the NFL. I love fantasy football. I love all of those things. But this is is disgusting and gross, um, and it is another form of slavery. So um, we'll see. I'm not expecting anything, um, and when you don't have that expectation, then you're not let down when a bad decision is made. So I just don't have any good expectations at all. Yeah. The uh... – bottom line whatever policy they come up with needs to be in collaboration with the players um and the players association they need to have a voice in this it can't just be owners in the back room with their president talking about um this policy they've got to include the players they've got to make sure that their voice is heard um and that their concerns are being um brought to the forefront as well um once again i'm not optimistic that anything meaningful will happen but um, Richard Sherman, I believe, said he was in some of the talks, and he said he's encouraged that they're at least bringing them to the table and taking their ideas. So I'm hope I'm hopeful, but you know we'll see what happens, um, and we'll leave that at that. But we have one more NFL topic 
Uh, big news coming out this week. Todd Gurley signing an extension with the Los Angeles Rams. Four years. History making. Four years, $60 million with $45 yep. million guaranteed. Um, yep. This also includes a $20 million signing bonus. Um, this is an extension of his rookie deal. So, uh, real quick, guys, what's your first impressions of this um, for Todd Gurley, this extension? Man, go ahead and get paid. <laughs> get that money. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Uh, Todd Gurley was a nightmare for defenders last year. Um, he definitely deserves this pay. Uh, but the one thing I'll say is, uh, well, two things. Number one is that the Rams are going to be strapped very soon. Mm -hmm. Um, because I mean, they, they got Gurley, um, they got Brandon cooks, um, you know, still got to figure out some stuff with Donald. So there's a lot that the Rams is going are going to be strapped with when it comes to money. And they're going to have to make some very essential moves, um, concerning cap space. Um, but they should be extremely fun to watch still. Um, but secondly, that brings up another name who has been wanting to be paid, um, and that is one Le'Veon Bell. Absolutely. Um, and a lot of Pittsburgh fans are saying, listen, now that they don't pay Gurley, we're going to have to go out there and, and pay Bell. I mean, I mean, without Le'Veon Bell, Pittsburgh's offense doesn't isn't great, yeah. you know, um, at all. Matter of fact, um, he saved them a lot of times with his with his playmaking ability, rushing, um, of course, his patience and his receiving, just like Ty Gurley. So. To me, that, that brings a question. Now, Pittsburgh, what are you going to do? Yeah. Oof. Um, yeah, man. It's a, it's, a, it's a new day in the NFL. Look. Um, they're paying running backs, finally. Uh, I mean, you know, so we see a whole lot about. Well, just some. Just some. I mean, yeah, true enough. You'll probably have to be in that top five uh, class to really see some type of deals like this. But. You know, hey, you got to think about it. If Zeke Elliott has another year like his rookie season, um, um, David Johnson, uh, um, um, what's my boy in? Uh, uh, um, I don't know. I, I'm looking to see what Shady McCoy gets if he, you know, if he could produce, you know, another season like that. And so, uh, definitely, Le'Veon Bill is the most deserving. Um, but you know, we've been seeing wide receivers get broke off, and so it's cool to see. It's cool to see running backs get theirs. Um, I'm not sure how much of a ripple effect it will have. I'm kind of waiting to see uh, what the new standard becomes. But 45 mil guaranteed out of 60, that's a, that's a pretty hefty price for Todd Gurley, who had a breakout, what, rookie season. Um, but, you know, struggled a little bit in year two. Um, I think it might have been with injury, but <clears throat> but I'm 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 impressed by the Rams, you know, and and a lot of their moves. Um, they they made some acquisitions, and you know, even their drafting has been pretty impressive. This new L.A. Rams era has been pretty fun to watch. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. I am uh, I'm curious to see what comes of this, you know, what the trend becomes from here. Uh, they said they had a source that said something like. Uh, like quarterbacks are the the prize, but running backs are the warriors, and mm -hmm. um and 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 that's that's true. Um, you know, you you get these guys, these quarterbacks getting huge money, but the ones that are most su successful normally have a guy in the backfield that's keeping the offense balanced, keeping the defense honest, and so this is cool. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Todd Gurley. Um, guy who had that um, serious knee injury when he was at Georgia, but came back um, and has really been a, a, a impact player early on. Um, you know, like you said, Ian, running backs like David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott, and Le'Veon Bell all got to be rubbing their hands together and, and uh, making making calls to the Brinks truck because <laughs> these NFL teams all know that when these, especially you know, originally it's with quarterbacks. Quarterbacks get the big deal, then the next guy up, he's like, okay, you got to do better than what that guy got. So, um, you know, if, if Todd Gurley's getting this, Le'Veon Bell's number is going to be pretty high too. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, to see how this kind of trickles down, how this affects the market. And you're right, Keith, they're going to have to – they still haven't played Jared Goff, uh, for my recollection. They're going to have to pay him down the line too. Aaron Donalds yep. uh, is – I believe he's holding out. Um, trying to get a con- contract extension as well. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see down the road how this affects them. But this team is good right now. Um, and I'm really excited to see how their season plays out uh, with another year with Jared Goff, Todd Gurley getting his money and being a, a impact player, adding um, Brandon Cooks. I think this team has potential to be a Super Bowl winning team. Hmm. So we'll wow. we'll see. We'll see. We got a lot of time before we start talking about NFL predictions. Um, <laughs> so we're getting close to the end of our time, ladies and gentlemen. But we're not going to leave you without some closing thoughts. International Ian, give us your closing thoughts for tonight. Closing thoughts, man. Thoughts and prayers with uh, Josh Gordon um, for a couple reasons. One, of course, first and foremost, really hoping that his uh, – his recovery is what it is that's calling for his hiatus from training camp or from the beginning of training camp. Um, some expectations are that he will return. Uh, some are saying that they're looking at getting Des Bryant to fill in for that uh, for that gap. But also, thoughts and prayers, if he has found his way to the weed again, of course, <laughs> of course his life is the most important, but when Browns fans are going to unleash hellfire on this cat if he if he screwed up opportunity for what is the most anticipated brown season uh in my lifetime honestly yeah and so uh yeah uh josh i really hope it's not the weed bro oh my goodness <laughs> that's hilarious stay off the weed. The weed. Man, Duh. stay off it. Stay Duh. away from it. Duh. Flee from the appearance of it. All Duh. of it. <laughs> All right, Keith, give us your closing words. Man, um, shout out to Denzel Washington for what I hear is an incredible equalizer, too. Uh, I cannot wait to go out and see it. Uh, I had to switch it up and throw throw that out there. Um, so yeah, I am really really looking forward to that. Um, and shout outs to college football for because I can't wait to see you uh, <laughs> and my little brother Christian Turner. Can't wait to see him get on the field again and ball out and represent uh, the Turner brothers. So those are my shout outs. And my shout out's gonna go to the greatest golfer to ever step foot on course, Tiger Woods. Um, it was exciting this weekend to kinda um look at the leaderboard and see Tiger atop it a couple times um on Saturday and Sunday. 
I feel like he's really close to finally winning. Um, and I think we're going to get, we might get that win this year. Um, rooting for him. Golf is a lot more exciting when Tiger's doing it because I do not care otherwise. Yep. So, uh, Tiger, keep doing your thing. Keep grinding. Hashtag slow grind. Um, still faster than IT slow grind. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm excited to see Tiger back on the course and uh, his game is coming back around. So, you guys, that's it. That not only concludes this episode, that concludes the first season of the 3-in-1 podcast. Uh, we're going to be taking about a three-week break um, to recharge and come back fresh for you guys. We're going to be coming back hot with our college football preview, followed by our NFL preview. Um, yeah. We're excited. We started this podcast during the basketball season, uh, but we're excited about diving into some football um, in the fall. Football. Yes, Lord. So, for International Ian Lamont Morgan in Cleveland. I got nothing. <laughs> and Keith Turner Jr. in Cincinnati. Oh, wait. I know. And your boy Malcolm Morgan in the capital city. Thank you guys for listening to the 3 in 1 podcast. We'll see you guys in a few weeks. Peace.